Welcome to Dirtcast. I am your co-host, Madeline Davies. My fellow co-host slash podcast wife, Megan Reynolds, is in the Big Easy with her family. So I have a special guest sitting in with me today. Uh, it is Joanna Rothkopf, formerly of Jezebel, currently of Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Hi, Joanna. Hi. I'm so happy to be back. I love having you on as a guest. I'm going to love even more having you on as a co-host, especially because we don't have a guest. I'm going to fill <laughs> two-thirds of the time talking. Yeah. Like, I'll talk as much as a co-host would and also a guest would. Yeah, and I'm going to interview <laughs> you on things that maybe you're not an expert. Yeah, in. as if I was a guest for something else. Yeah, I'm just going to be like, uh, how do you choreograph fight scenes yeah. uh, in the Fast and the Furious I'll, movies, Joanna? I'll guess. I would love to know a little update. What, what are you up to? Um, I started working at Last Week Tonight one month ago. Happy uh, anniversary. Thank you. It's the big anniversary. Yeah. The, that's like the, the one gold. that everybody celebrates. Yeah, it's right. The one month. The one month. Um, and uh, other than that, I have watched Dating Around, which I think we're going to talk about. Uh, we certainly are Possibly. going to talk about it. Uh, what else have I been doing? I have started two books and stopped both of them. Oh. I feel like now my weekend is not Saturday and Sunday. It's Monday and Tuesday, yeah. which means that I'm trying to entertain myself yeah. in a way that's new. You're like, it's like being in the service industry or something where your weekends are not your friend's weekends. Right. I'm just like not used to it. I feel like it's a Monday and a Tuesday when it's Monday and Tuesday. So I'm like. Ready to go. I'm like at my computer waiting for someone to send me an assignment. When this is your assignment Yeah. (laughs) Right. You know what's going to be really nice though is come summer when, I mean, maybe you guys will be on hiatus anyway. No, there's there's work. I was going to say, like you go to the beach and it's not packed. That's true. Yeah. As someone who's been n- not really employed for quite a while, I can tell you the few perks That's and also really cool. a lot of the <laughs> downsides. Well, when I was when I didn't have a job last summer for a month, I also did a lot of just like I sit in my apartment. I think I think very thoughtfully about how to improve myself, and I start a lot of books and don't finish them. I walked out of a movie for the first time in in. Maybe my life. What movie? Well, here's what I have to say. It's not because it was bad. It was because my anxiety got so terrible, which was— Because of the movie? Yeah. I went to go see the movie Climax, the Gaspar Noe, oh. like, dance horror thriller. People love dance horror. Yeah. And this one, ooh, really goes in. And your horror movie— <laughs> Buff. Buff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I tend to like horror movies that are, like, a little silly. Uh-huh. And this was, like, not silly. Can you say one example? Of why? Well, so, like, this is not giving away anything that's not in the trailer. I'm not going to see it because if you can't handle it, I definitely can't handle it. Basically, it's, like, about a troupe of dancers in France. They're preparing to go on tour. It's the last night of rehearsing. They're, like, rehearsing in this, like, repurposed, empty school. And someone for, like, they're, like, celebrating because it was the last night. It starts off with this, like, incredible uh, dance sequence that's, like, single shot. And they're all amazing. And you're just like, oh, that's this is going to be great. Uh-huh. Um, that's what they think, too. <laughs> uh, but it turns out one of the dancers has, like, dosed the the sangria with LSD, uh, and all of them just go fucking bonkers. Um, and so, like, people start on fire. 
Like, there's just, like, a lot of, like, really stressful things happening. And the whole time, you just have, like, the sound of, like, pulsing music. Uh, Like, the way I explained it to someone was, like, you know, like, when you've been at a party for too long and you're, like, ready to be sober, but you're not. Yeah, and it's the worst. And you, like, go in the bathroom and shut the door just to, like, have a moment. But, like, you can still hear everything. (laughs) Like, that's how I felt That's the worst anxiety. The whole movie. I do want to—that makes me want to see it. But maybe at home, not in a theater. I saw Hereditary in a theater. I was a little bit high, and it was— terrible. And I'm also already scared of theaters for, like, um, big places of gathering reasons. And it was very scary. Someone on Twitter was like, should I— eat an edible before going and I was like you will die you'll literally like your heart die. will explode <laughs> yeah speaking of heart exploding I also saw a movie last night very different from yours I saw Apollo 11 which is the documentary of never before seen footage of the first flight to the moon whoa and um I like likes I respect space I fear it more than anything else but this it literally follows the astronauts. So Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and then Michael Collins, who nobody thinks of because he didn't go down and walk on the moon. He just liberated Ireland. I don't really know about no. Ireland, so the I don't guy get it. Like, it's it's <laughs> Go ahead. But, okay, but while Buzz and Neil were on the moon, like, talking to the president, saying all these famous quotes, becoming, like, iconic historic figures. He was in a tiny little space buggy orbiting around the moon. And so for 45 minutes every orbit, he was on the far side of the moon. You couldn't see Earth. You couldn't see them. He was just, like, totally alone in space. That's And so nobody scary. even remembers his name. I mean, maybe some people do. Yeah, his, like, family. His family remembers him. They're, like— we're proud of Michael. I think I just don't recognize an Apollo below 13. I know. But Apollo 11 is <laughs> no, the I'm one. I don't re- Yeah. Apollo 13 is my Apollo. I mean, I think I've talked about this before, but I don't, like, get space. And I don't like, get well, wanting to explore space. I don't get that either. I would never. I you, also feel like, I don't know. If we fuck off this planet, like, let's just, like, call it a day. I was thinking about that. Like, now, obviously, our science money should not be going to, like, shooting people Right. Into the sky. Or also just like, how can we ruin a new planet? Right. Let's but, just go out with some dignity. But back then they didn't really know. It was in the 60s. Yeah, they're like, everything's like great. <laughs> they're like, we will be here forever. Fuck you, Russia. We are God. But it is really exciting. And you see all the men. I don't know. It's really moving. And then you see all the people in Florida watching it. And you literally see a rocket go into space. It's crazy. Can we talk about the dirtiest dirt of the week? Yes. Like a little bird in a dust bath, you know? <laughs> you know, like sparrows roll around in the dirt. Let's just do it. <laughs> that is so sparrows. The first story we want to spend most of our time talking about, it seems, uh, is something you brought to my attention because it broke this morning. And anybody who knows me knows that I am just a tornado of chaos in the morning and the afternoon and often the <laughs> evenings. But I missed it because it like broke today. But Joanna, please. Okay. So the FBI has recently released information on this nationwide college admissions cheating scam. 
which is that a bunch of rich people are involved in, and it kind of involves scamming their children into various colleges in various ways. The ways include, well, I'm burying the lead. This is not a good introduction. Basically, Felicity Huffman of Desperate Housewives and and Transamerica. Transamerica (laughs) is... In, and Lori Laughlin, who is on Full House, Full House are both named in this indictment because they were involved in this nationwide college admissions cheating scam. So ABC News says those indicted allegedly paid bribes of up to $6 million to get their children into elite colleges, including Yale, Stanford, oh Georgetown, blah, blah, blah. But the way they did it is the crazy thing. First of all, if you're rich, you can legally buy your kid into any school. Right. Such has been the case forever. Right. By like, a just building. Like an endowment, endowment or whatever. Right. Like my college had the live hall. <laughs> had, had rough cuff hall. And that's why I went. That's why I chose it. <laughs> but it also had the She's library great. was named after. She's very smart. She got <laughs> in on her own. Yeah. I, there was also rough cuff hall, but it wasn't the same rough cuff there also was a library named after the family behind a very big sneaker company. Oh. And, and like, I don't know. I'm not saying they're anything or anything. They maybe already went there. I don't know. I'm just saying. People right. have been buying buildings forever. Yeah. And just, or just like, like you said, like there's ways to, there's to ways make to Harvard like, like you other How do than we just think being that, smart. I mean, like every Trump did this, yes. obviously. Anyway, Felicity Huffman is one of the people who did this. And according to the charging papers, Huffman made a purported charitable contribution of $15,000 to participate in the college entrance exam cheating scheme on behalf of her eldest daughter. She was going to do it for her younger daughter, but she didn't. And the crazy- <laughs> she didn't like her as much. <laughs> yeah. Either the daughter was like, okay, I'll get in somewhere. Or I don't know. But then there's an email in like the court documents where the high school of her daughter says, oh, come take the SAT on this date. We'll have our own proctor. And Felicity Huffman allegedly forwards the email to the people in the entrance scheme with the note, rut row, looks like this high school wants to provide own proctor. It's just so obvious. Rut row. Rut row. I don't understand anything about this. Also, like, where is William H. Macy in all this? He is literally not named. So something has happened. I don't know. I feel like he was like, you could do this, but I am not involved. Or he's just like, let's just do it all under your name. Right. Rut he's row. not even named at all. Rut row, baby. Rut, you did this to yourself. Rut row. And the other thing is that there's this uh, another way that people scammed their kids into schools was by paying coaches, I guess, to have their kid put on the recruit list for sports that they didn't play. That's so funny. Like one of them was they pay they got them recruited to USC as part of the crew team, but they'd never rode crew before. One guy was recruited for a water polo team, but he didn't even know what water polo was. And so they had to buy all this water polo gear and take a picture of him wearing the water polo gear in a swimming pool. And the That's coach and so like whoever funny. they were bribing would be like, no, he needs to be no, deeper the ho- into water. there shouldn't be a horse in the pool. Yeah, there shouldn't be a horse in the pool. You don't understand what this sport is. Wow. That's so wild. It's so wild. Also just like... <laughs> If you were, like, her eldest daughter, wouldn't you just be so humiliated? I know. I mean, I don't know how, like, much she knew. I, I have assume. to imagine she didn't. I mean, the, yeah. the idea is that they didn't know. Yeah. 
But like, wouldn't you just be like, oh, my mom thinks I'm an idiot, first of all. Right. How humiliating. And I don't know. I haven't looked up like who our kids are, how old they are. But like if they're in college now, that sucks. If they're out of college, their whole perception of themselves is completely destroyed. That's that's so hard. I feel like we all kind of learned certain things like, oh, this wasn't what I thought as a kid. Yeah. But this is really the big one. Yes. Or one of the big ones. It's also like, did that happen at your high school? Like, did people scam the SATs? It was less like, I don't know about scamming SATs, but people did scam like, this is so disrespectful. But some people, I believe, scammed psychologists to get extra time on the SATs saying they had Mm. learning disabilities. Some people really do have learning disabilities or whatever. No, I know what you mean. That would There's like legitimate. There are legitimate legitimate reasons to have extra time on the SAT, but I do believe that there were many people who got extra time on the SAT because they paid a lot of money to a psychologist to tell the SAT that they need extra time. But at least they're still taking the test. At least they're still taking it. I think that I got extra time on the SAT by accident. Because the proctor was not paying attention. Wow. I just— I Middlebury, take it back. Take back her degree. I didn't deserve to go. But, like, there are so many ways that, like, people have been scamming forever that kind of work within the broken system. That, like, why would you even feel the need to go outside of it? You're already a celebrity. Right. Do you know, like— Do you remember that movie that was, like, Erica Christensen and Scarlett Johansson, and it was all about, like— the cheating on the SATs. Like, it was, like, an like extreme so, high school so thriller. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I even saw it. I just, like, remember the trailer. There That's was, like, the, yeah. There was the one with, like, Justin Long. Wasn't there? Like, unaccepted or something? Yeah. Unde- <laughs> yeah, undeclared? Yeah, something like that. I know about that because a uh, girl I knew in high school was an extra in that movie, and she wow. was very proud. <laughs> she should be proud. Okay. That's a classic. <laughs> She's preserved in cinematic history. So, Felicity Huffman's children, if you need a hug, guess what? You've already got enough help in life. You deal with this. (laughs) I didn't take the SAT. I took the ACT. That was like the Midwestern test. Yeah. It was just like, how do you milk a cow? No. (laughs) Wait, there is another ACT-related thing in this where one parent is getting someone to take the ACT on July 14th, 2018. And in order to do that, the cheater, I guess, needed a handwriting sample from the kid. And in the court document, the the parent says, yes, he has not great writing. I'm going to give you that, but I'm going to—actually, I'm bringing him to the doctor right now, so we will sit down in the waiting room, and I will send it to you. Shortly after, this person sent, whoever the cheater is, an email with the notation, good luck with this, and attached is a photograph of the kid's handwriting. It says, to whom— it may concern. This provides an example of my current writing style. Thank you for your attention. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is so the writing of, like, a serial killer also. <laughs> it's really sad and weird because clearly the kid did know that something weird was happening because they had to provide a handwriting sample. Also, his handwriting isn't bad. It's just insane. Yeah, it's just weird. <laughs> it's just the, a really weird, sad story about a bunch of kids whose parents are psycho. Oh, man. Also, like, corrupted hey. by money. One big question I have is, like, if you go to USC and you are a crew recruit but you don't know how to row, like, do you still have to row? You'd think you would because, I mean, I guess if you're not a scholarship student, maybe not. Right. Maybe you could just get in and then they could be like, okay, come like, to oh, practice. I, and you're like, I, I quit. Mind. Yeah. I hurt my shoulder. I want to do theater instead. Yeah, I'm more theater. I had a really meaningful summer. <laughs> and then you change. I woke <laughs> up. Yeah. This is a much more low-stakes scandal. Do you follow Real Housewives of Beverly Hills at all? 
Mm, like so minimally. Sure. But I'd still really want to hear about it. A big thing on this latest season is everybody is finally turning on Lisa Vanderpump because she's very manipulative and has been manipulating people for seasons. And, like, that is, like, definitely true. Like, she definitely puts people up to things and mm-hmm. then lets them do her dirty work and yeah. then can, like, be like, oh, I didn't touch it. <laughs> but, like, what's insane about them doing it this season is what they're using is the story of one of the other housewives. So Lisa Vanderpump, everybody knows, like, just is obsessed with dogs. Yeah. She started Even a, I know. Yeah. She started a dog rescue mm-hmm. called Vanderpump Dogs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's silly, but also good for her. Good for, yeah. Yes. Just, of all the uh, when things I say you it's can silly, start. I mean, like, the building is silly, it, not the cause. <laughs> um, yeah. One of the other housewives adopted a dog from Vanderpump Dogs. It bit her kid, apparently. Oh. And so she gave it to a friend who then just gave it to a kill shelter. But because it was microchipped, like, could, two Vanderpump dogs, it ended up getting returned and is, like, safe and alive. Oh. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> the, dog is, the dog is fine. Um, so, like, this woman is, like, clearly in the wrong. Like, she should have just returned it to the shelter where she got it. Instead which is of like a kill shelter. And they, like, tell you to do that when you adopt a dog. I mean, anyone would know to do that. Yeah. So it's, like, everything is fine. It's, like, mm-hmm. a weird kind of, like— not super intense conflict, mm-hmm. but it's becoming this thing because Lisa Rinna, soap actress, right. who knows how to how to make things dramatic, is like, Lisa set you up to look bad with this dog story to the woman who adopted the dog. <laughs> um, I don't understand how that is like a fair assessment of the situation. Yeah, I mean, I think there's like, other players involved where it's like Lisa had one of her employees tell another housewife about it uh-huh. so that she could look like she would have let it go, but that this other guy was really mad. Oh, I understand. It's like a whole thing. It's very boring, honestly. Uh-huh. But it's like a crazy thing that they are using this as like the way to like turn on Lisa. Uh-huh. Um, finally, after so many seasons. I mean, it feels like Lisa may have wanted, literally from knowing three details about this, it feels like maybe Lisa wanted the story to get out because they, like, trade on drama, whatever. Sure. But she didn't donate the dog to the kill shelter. Right, it's still, like— She didn't do that. Ultimately, like, Dorit is the one who, like, fucked Dorit up. Dorit did that. Um, what makes this more complicated, not even complicated, what makes it more puzzling, I guess, mm-hmm. is that— Lisa Vanderpump's brother uh, died by suicide like a month before they started shooting. So she is like a shell of who she typically Lisa is. Lisa Vanderpump? Yeah. She's like clearly grieving, is having a very hard time. Oh. Um, and so it's almost like it feels like like the Lion King or something where they're just like all of these like hyenas like see a vulnerability in the pack and are yeah. just like we're going to take her down because she's weak right now. Is there any... I mean, I know Lisa has her own shows. She's kind of established herself outside of the Real Housewives franchise exclusively. And that is also what happened to Bethany Frankel in New York. Mm -hmm. Um, She kind of like made a name for herself separate and kind of had some like weird bad shows also. And people do kind of attack her in the last season and Mm -hmm. like— wait for their moments to really, like, do the Bethany destruction tour. Is that also happening here? Are people have been, yes. they, have they been waiting to do that? I think definitely. Also, uh, Lisa Rinna posted this insane Instagram story where she was like, uh, 
Vanderpump is manipulative. She's using this storyline to make a spinoff about Vanderpump dogs. Right. And then Lisa Vanderpump's like, no, I'm not. And I'm not (laughs) saying that she's necessarily telling the truth, but also, like, what an insane thing to be like. Rinna is the one who, like, started this all in a way. And then to be like, now she's trying to turn this into a spinoff. And she's like, I'll get my lawyers to stop it. Why does she care so much? I mean. I think, I mean, attention. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, it's just weird. And it's like weirdly complicated. It's like gotten so layered, but also like is not the drama I crave. It also feels to a total outsider who doesn't really know the like nuances of the case. It does feel pretty straightforward. Yeah, it does. And also like. Lisa has done this other times where it's, like, way more flagrant and way more And, gross. like, now is not the time. And also just, like, you couldn't take her down then. So, like, you're using this, like, weird right. example where she, like, actually is kind of right. And also she's, like, destroyed yeah. with sadness. Mm. And, yeah, just to use this opportunity as, like, the one doesn't it's, make them look as good as I feel It does not make anybody like. look good. No. I mean, it makes Lisa look the same. Yes, uh, yeah, she, like, has always kind of been a little Machiavellian and, like... Right. And she's just... I don't know. She does her sex puns. Just, like, let her... Yeah, let her. And also, if, like, somebody returns a dog that was at a kill shelter to her shelter, like, that's even why she has a shelter, to be able to be, like, wow. Yeah. Shouldn't I mean, have done I'm that. I'm sure she has, like, because she likes dogs, too. Um, also, speaking of not going off great... Let's... Did you see the R. Kelly uh, interview with Gail King? Okay, I saw... The, I saw like the clips. Yes, I didn't. I don't think I watched the whole thing. I mean, are you, you're not watching CBS this morning? No. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> Nor am I. I'm not a viewer. We're 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 a clip culture. <laughs> yeah, clip culture. For so better, I did engage. And often for worse. Indefinitely. Indeed. I did engage with the clips. Um, I was uh more entertained than I should be by like R. Kelly like crying and screaming just because it yeah. shows that he like has the brain of an infant. Yeah. Not in the way of, like, he's not responsible, but just in the way of, like, he's, like, clearly been, like, coddled for so long. Yeah. It was extremely psychotic. Like, I don't under—of course, the question is, who let him do that? And, like, why did he decide to do that? Because, like, what what was gained from anyone? Even also from, like, Gail Gail King, like, looks great, but, like, no no questions were answered, right? Yeah. I also saw, like, a New York Post thing that was like, where did Gail King get the dress from her (laughs) R. Kelly interview? (laughs) Well, like, I guess we've gained that. I did love how Gail King was totally unimpressed, though, like, by him, like, standing up and being like, why are you doing this? <laughs> yeah. Um, and at one point she goes, calm down, Robert. Which I'm just like, that was <laughs> That's good. That's a good line that we've gotten. To. They, like, also had, like, interviewed the two women who live with him, and, like, they're clearly, something's going on there. Yeah. And he's been doing this for decades. It's so so many decades. It did make me think, like... I know he's a celebrity, and I know this is newsworthy, but it does make me think, like, why even interview him? I don't understand. Like, I guess, like, the newsworthiness is something, but, like, I don't get when we have all of these people who are clearly, allegedly, clearly serial predators or whatever, and then, like, Matt Lauer gives them an interview or something. I, like, don't really understand what the newsworthiness of it is, other than, like, everybody talks about it for... For sure. And it gets shared, and, like, it gets on SNL, and we talk about it. And, like, it's a cultural moment, and we talk about it here. Yeah. (laughs) And we all talk about it. No, I know exactly what you mean. (laughs) A sad thing that happened this week, of course, is, like, so we did our last episode on 90210. Uh, We finished recording. We left the studio. 
we all then got alerts that Luke Perry had died. Oh, yeah. um, I'm laughing because of the timing, yeah. not because it isn't sad. But it kind of got me thinking about, like, heartthrobs, what it means to, like, lose someone who, like, girls or boys have, like, pined over. Mm-hmm. And so for me, like, that person was, like, Heath Ledger was, like, the one that just, like, shattered. Like, I was Same. in my 20s, and I my friend, like, texted me, and I wept. That's awful. I don't know. When celebrities die, it's a whole thing because you feel like you know them, but you don't really yeah. know them. But, like, they're in your life. But also for Heath Ledger, I hadn't really, like, thought about people dying. And also, I have a feeling that, like, a certain kind of heartthrob is immortal and is always yeah. going to be that way. And that's kind of why you, when you see them— like, you've watched all their movies from when they were in their 20s, and then you see them in their 50. You're like, where did yeah. time go? I don't I don't really understand. I mean, and there's, like, something, like, that allows us to kind of beatify these people when they die young because you yeah. don't get to see them, like, crumble. Yeah. Like, thinking about, like, Johnny Depp or something. Just, like, you don't right. get to see them, like, become, that's, like, these, like, true. gross wine pirates who, like, right. live in an attic. I don't know. <laughs> wine pirates. Um, right. <laughs> But, yeah, it's, like, kind of sweet and also weird how, like, tender we feel towards these people. Right. I'm looking at the list you sent. Oh, yeah. I made a list of just people who died. I know. That's kind of a weird list, but it's helpful. There's, it's like, you know, (laughs) when you, like, read an article and then there's, like, the populated ads at the bottom. It's always, like, (laughs) here's a list of dead hot people. Like, (laughs) that's, like, where I found all of these names. (laughs) So You're the first person who ever found use from it. I know, it's true. They're not great. I feel like Michael, how do you say his last name? Cuccione? Oh, yeah. That, I mean, of of this list of very sad, tragic losses, that one for me was very personal because I loved, okay, so he was in Together. Yes. I don't remember which character he played. He, he played, played QT. Of course, QT. Right. I loved QT. I loved Together. It was. I did too. I had, I had the album. Me too. I remember this song. And, and we stick together. Oh, you and me forever. Wait, I like the one that's like, I know my calculus. Yeah, of course. You that was a major. Ugh, that was like one of my favorite bands. <laughs> um, yeah, and plus it was like a band, like a boy band for like people who like didn't want to admit they liked boy bands. It was like a satire boy band, right? But like also their but songs also just were just like boy band. straight up boy band songs. They were just good. Yeah, I actually vividly remember when he died because I was homesick and I was watching MTV News. And that's probably the first place I reported it. Yeah, because so they were like the ones who it was pertinent. Right. To. Ugh. I remember being gutted by that. Also being like just like not really knowing how to understand it. Yeah. Aaliyah was a weird one because I also like remember exactly where I was when I found out. I like really don't. I was at like a boy-girl sleepover. A boy-girl sleepover? Yeah. I winked at Joanna like something happened. It didn't. (laughs) That is crazy. I've never been to a boy-girl sleepover. Yeah. It was, uh, we were wilding on the (laughs) near east side of Madison. What age were you? A freshman? 2001, I want to say. Fucking God. That's crazy. I think we like the, You get drunk? No, I didn't. I was like straight edge throughout high school. So so. Yeah, that one, River Phoenix, I, like, loved him in Stand By Me as a kid because he was, like, such a babe in that movie. But I think he died before I, like, registered who he was. Mm. So it was, like, he was always a dead person. Mm. (laughs) Heath Ledger was the biggest deal because he had, like, his come up was right, I think, in our prime time. Yeah. I mean, 10 Things I Hate About You is, 10 Things I Hate About You is. For, like, speaking of, like, antisocial girls who, like, 
secretly who kind of us, want the same thing as like who everybody. among us was not Julia Stiles wanting to go to Sarah Lawrence just like and like sketching eyes on your notebook yeah that movie is still good yeah I mean I haven't watched it in the past three years but I'm sure if I had yeah it's still very charming there are a lot of like nice things written about Luke Perry this week yeah my thing that I loved him from was the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie he played like a slacker hottie yeah um, whose best friend was David Arquette and David Arquette became a vampire it was funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. Let's move on as time Grace does, Lee. as we all march to our own inevitable deaths. Yeah. It's an uplifting I love, episode. I love that. I love that oh. transition. But here's something that like people do to distract themselves from that, which yeah. is date. <laughs> I want to spend the rest of our time talking about Netflix dating around. I would love to talk about dating around because, as I said at the beginning, I have been watching this alone yeah. and not talking about it. I've been watching it alone because I know my boyfriend would hate it. Brad has walked in at the end of me watching and been could not have been less interested. I just in also think it's like very uncomfortable. My inter- it's so uncomfortable. That's why I like. I was gonna say that's what I. Feed that's why off it's good. Of. Yeah, but I have had to fast forward through some. So this show is like every episode is one person who goes on what, like five blind dates? Five blind dates. But it's the same date. They go to the same restaurant, yeah. which is kind of weird because you have to see them like be like, oh, should we do the chicken skewers? Yeah. And then you're like, you've been there. Yeah, right. You're like, just tell her what was good. <laughs> yeah, get the good thing. Also, like they like tell the same stories a lot. So it's like right. they like intersplice the dates. Right. So it's like still like a manufactured reality show, but there is like the real awkwardness of a date. There is the real awkwardness. And you can also, it's not polished enough that you can't tell like the flaws and like the insecurities of the people on the date. Yeah. So it's like very real life cringy. And it's also cringy in a way that some people know they're on a TV show and behave in a whack way. Yeah. Because of that. But they also don't like gloss over that either. They like let you see that. Yeah. So tell me some people who you hated. Who I hated? Okay, so the second episode is Gerky, which that was kind of the famous clip from it. She dated that one guy who, like, yelled at her for getting divorced. And you lied to a man. I did. I did. did. And I okay, was thinking— so As long as you admit that. Yeah, of course. I'm not saying right. I did the right thing. And I thought, you know what? Like, it's not— you But know, you ruined eight years of your life. I didn't ruin it. I learned— You I, totally ruined it. You lied to him and yourself. Correct. You I went, never said You I agreed to spend the rest of your life with someone in front of friends and family, and it was a complete lie. How could I ever trust you? Yeah, Gerky was, like, a woman in her mid to late 30s who, like, had, like, a really good job. She's a jewelry buyer at Barney's. Yeah. Had been married before. Was extremely beautiful. So pretty. And, like, just kind of, like, had her shit together. Yeah. And men did not react great to that, especially this one. They didn't. Yeah. I mean, there were some people who were nice. Like, there was some guy who was, like, a SWAT cop or something. I I really liked him. But there was this one guy who... At the second location, like, if you like them enough, you can go to the bar with them after. And he started being like, you know what I think about you getting divorced? I think that's super irresponsible. I think you're a bitch. You lied to yeah, that he's like, man. you don't know what love is. And yeah. she's like, what the fuck are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, he's such an asshole. And then she, like, got 
sincerely upset. And he also didn't reckon, like, she was trying to explain because she was Indian and her uh, parents had an arranged marriage. And she was like, there's a lot of pressure. Right. Uh, like, I'm first generation. And, like, there's a lot of pressure to kind of settle down early. And I and, knew I didn't, like, love him in a specific way. But, like, I thought this would be good. And I did love him in another way. And Yeah. Whatever. And the guy just was like, no. And, like, you could tell, like, he just was, like, mad at his mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because he like, was like, my parents divorced and it ruined everything. And just like, <laughs> right. He was like yelling at his mom, but it was actually just this poor woman. Right. I mean, it's awful to see him be horrible to her, but that is why the show is good because you got to see a real asshole say his real feelings yeah. about this poor woman. And now all of his socials are private. I know. Because I think every single person was like, you're a dick. Yes. He was a dick. He was the big dick of the show. And then Netflix like tweeted it being like, Look at this dick. Look at this bad boy. <laughs> yeah. Look at this naughty boy. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that was a bad one. Another awkward one, the Sarah episode. I feel bad even talking about it. Sarah is probably the one who's, like, unfortunately closest to both of us in archetype. <laughs> right, right. It, she's, like, this brunette kind of, like, edgy girl. Quirky. Quirky. Yeah, quirky. She, like, literally she's, has Amelie She leans haircut. into the quirky. Oh, yeah. In a way that I never would. No, again, we both have, like, self-respect and restraint. Mm, yeah. I always wanted to move to New York. Right. Um, I've seen Rent, like, 35 times. I Damn. I feel, for her, she is the person that I could tell was aware she was on a TV show. Yes. And, like, attempting to be the quirky character on the TV show. Well, and one— Which I think, I'm sure she doesn't behave like that in real life. Well, I don't know. I hope. I mean— I mean, I, there's no way of knowing. There's no reason. One very weird moment in that date is she was like, I'm a jazz singer. And a guy was like, oh, can you sing for me? And she said, yes. And then she started to take a, a drink of water. And he's like, yeah, you got to clear your throat first. Right. Yeah, you don't want anything in your throat, right? I guess that's like a preparation, right? When before you're ready to sing, you have to have your throat clear. I have a little bit of a headache and I do have... I'm like, like maybe a, he meant it as an innuendo, but it's like a clunky innuendo if he I is. don't think he did. I think I he was just so like flirting for TV. He was just like talking. I also think that he didn't expect her to say, yes, I will sing for you. Yeah. So he was like saying yeah, something. he's like, God damn it. <laughs> yeah, right. Now I have to. And then she just ends the date and she's like, you know what? I have a headache and I have to go home. And it, she was clearly reacting to what she thought was an innuendo. Yeah, and like she, maybe it did feel like an innuendo. It was edited for TV. We don't know how yeah. it felt. A lot of the people felt like a little bit kind of innuendo-y anyway. Yeah. But edited, it felt very abrupt. Yeah, she just left. I also yeah. like, because she then like on a late, like she goes to another bar and it's like the hottest one who she clearly just is like panting over. The Which, guy who was like a firefighter, I think. And he's like, he's like, nah, not feeling it. You know, I feel like we're on very different wavelengths. You're a very sweet person. Thank you. But yeah, best of luck to you, right? Oh, yeah. And then she's like, well, I'm going to masturbate. Oh, my God. I'm going to go home and masturbate. Like, oh, you remember? God. It's just like this horrible And moment. she said it to herself, which is saying it for TV. Yeah. And After then I the feel like I saw like, her say it and then be like, why did I say that? <laughs> yeah. Like, right after. Oh, that episode was so awkward. I really did have to do a lot of fast-forwarding because she really was making so many strong TV date choices and then clearly being weirded out by what happened after them. Yeah. And the men they gave her were clearly Odd. not her type. Yeah. And she was like kind were, of she was not their type. And uh, they were all just like bros. Yeah, they were kind of like Brooklyn-y 
guys, like one guy I feel like worked at a club or something. Yeah. And was a DJ. And they just clearly were never going to be compatible. And it was just incredibly awkward. And there was like the one guy who was like from the Rockaways. And she's like, oh, do you like the Ramones? And so it's like, that's the thing that you'd ask someone. (laughs) So weird. (laughs) Yeah. It felt like people were on different shows for different reasons. And like nobody was really listening. You know, when there's like bad writing in a scene and somebody gets very upset about something and it wasn't written to. Yeah. It just felt like it was like weirdly written, like manufactured conflict. Which is like, I think some people hate that stuff. But me, I'm like so fascinated by like the model of reality TV that I'm It was so fascinating. Another bad person. Not, I don't know. We don't know. I'm sure she's fine in life. But the very first episode is a guy who's like probably the most bland He's like a, like that guy was like a walking J. Crew shirt. It was interesting for them to start the series with that episode because you're like, oh, this is kind of a normal dating show with like normal boring people. Yeah. And then it gets so weird. weird. Yeah. So it's this guy, Luke, who's like, I don't know what he does. He works in finance or something dull. But one of the girls he goes on a date with is this girl, Victoria, who um, I was like, I hate her. But then a part of me is like, are you her? Which one is? She's the blonde one who oh, is yeah, like the like the charismatic one. And like very forcibly funny. And I'm just like, Yeah, who's think? like always like laughing to tears. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, when they cheer, she's like, I hope you're not a murderer. And right. like it's so self-conscious. <laughs> yes. And then I was just like, oh my God, what if that is how I come off to people? No. <laughs> this is everyone was doing their personality like times a bajillion. Yeah. Except for I think in the last episode, everyone was kind of being like understated and normal and cool. But in a couple of these episodes, people were playing their character games so hard in a way that was (laughs) so obvious and uncomfortable, especially her. Um, Yeah, she's like, I have a 13 pack. And I was like, oh, we're not alike, actually. (laughs) Yeah, we're different. I mean, she was clearly a person, in my opinion, who's in like her office. They're like, oh, my God, Victoria, you are so funny. You should be a comedian. You should be on TV. And then she was on TV and was like, I should be on TV. And like you said, like everything is like, (laughs) (laughs) like, really? A really good episode, I think everybody agrees, is the elderly widower Leonard. Leonard, Leonard, I think, was the iconic episode of the series. I hate this shit. It's the only one where you're like, I have never seen this date before. And you're like kind of rooting for everybody. You're rooting for everybody. Nobody is bad or trying to be something weird. And it's like at Le Baracou, which is a very trendy restaurant for brunch. And Leonard's like, I love this place. And he just seems so... So nice and kind of like sweet in a way that you never get to see. And I just really want him to date someone. And it was so sweet that he agreed to do this reality show and everyone was so earnestly nervous. Yeah. There was one woman who was incredible. Like she was wearing like a very smoky eye and she had pure white hair. I feel like you could be talking about either the person in the ball gown or the artist. The ball gown. Yeah, the ball gown. Um who she had been married so many times. And so then at the times. end of the date, like, again, they're, like, supposed to, like, move to a second location. He's like, would you like to get a drink? She goes, what? It's 10 p.m. I'm going home. I'm going to bed. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, that is me just with every single yes. thing. Yeah. Like, the personalities in that one were also not reality tropes because these people are not on reality shows. Like, yeah. Leonard is in his 60s, I think, and is a widow and is now a private investigator and used to be a lawyer. And then he goes on dates with these women who are in their 40s, 50s, and 60s who also are clearly shy. So do you think I talk too much on this date? Not at all. Why would you even, like, think that as a possibility? One of them is texting her daughter the whole time just because her daughter is probably like, ah, 
up, mom's in a reality show. Yeah, I was like, how's it going? And he's yeah. so like, like, this is very rude. Right. Like you said, it was new. It was fresh. It was fresh. My favorite of those women was the artist who drew him a lip gloss painting. Yeah, she She's, was into it too. Yeah, and it, feel, it felt like he was into it. I don't know how they choose the second date person. So he ends up kind of the woman he like pursues a second date with was this woman, Diana, who grew up in a deaf household, so her first language was sign language. Wait, did they say that in the episode? Yeah, she talks about it. How she's like, she's like, yeah, I like lived like a really quiet youth. And she is rather quiet. But then she was like, I got eight, I was 18 and I moved. And she was like, it was like the 70s. And he's like, oh yeah, baby, the 70s, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And she's like, yeah. <laughs> um, and so they like bonded over like wilding out in the 70s. And then they go on a second date. Netflix says they're maybe still together. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know if I believe that. I don't either. I feel like that was Netflix social media being... Also, like, like why is it maybe? Just, like, ask. Right, ask. If you're going to tell us, you would have asked. But, yeah, he was, like, a little too into her being African-American, it seemed. It like, really, he's like, hey, you've ever dated a white guy? Yeah. It really oh. was. <laughs> and he was. Yeah, and he was like, I dated an African-American woman in the 70s. Once, yeah, but she didn't and, like And I loved her. Yeah, it was kind of weird. So what I would like to ask you, because I am curious, if you were unattached, would you ever go on a show like this? So this show, I feel like, really made me think about it a lot. Because every other reality show, I could never see myself on. Right. Or like, no offense to either of us, like, it would be hard for us to get cast on them. Yeah. Because we're I not. Have, I'm anything, it's a compliment to both of us. <laughs> yeah. No, but to be on a reality show, you have to look extremely a type. Yeah. But no. I feel like, no, this made me really be like, this is hell, and I would never put myself through it. I feel like I probably would get talked into it by people. Yeah. And then I would, uh, then I afterwards, I would be so embarrassed that I would like. Right. I mean, I don't know how I would feel before I watched this. Like, would I be on this if I was, if I was asked and I had never seen the show, I probably would say yes. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, that's a fun, stupid thing to like do. But I felt so uncomfortable in every single episode except for the last episode. Yeah. And how do you not come off like an asshole? Like and dating everybody is so comes off like an no asshole in some way. You come off like an asshole or you come off like quiet and boring. Right. There's no other way. Again, I would be the girl who's like, <laughs> wacka, wacka, ooh, whatever. <laughs> you know, like just like yes. sad clown lady. Yeah. Sad exercise clown. Uh. And also, I feel like I a, a flaw of me is that I would think that every interaction was real and that, like, if we hit it off, I would be like, this is real. I love them. And then I would learn that it was a TV show and then be smashed. You know what I think is actually a better version of this TV show is, you know, that our former colleague and friend Jane Marie, have you ever listened to her DTR Tinder podcast? I sadly have not yet. I didn't mean to call you <laughs> out, but it's, like, kind of similar in that they, like, follow people on dates like with audio. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and it's like really well done. I definitely would do it on podcast. Yeah. TV, I mean, specifically, I do not want to bring her up again because I feel like I'm kind of piling on her. But Sarah, they do these shots of the contestants waiting for their date to show up. And in all of those shots, she was like mugging. She was like extremely posing. Like, I'm Amelie. I'm yeah, on Yeah, she street. definitely like had her hand like in kind of like a she Disney had her princess, hand, like, like chin. Yeah. Like, like Cinderella leaning out a window. Right. It was not how you stand. Yeah. And it's I, like when someone tells you to act natural and you're like, <laughs> yeah, put you, your hands you like you an inch away from knees. your hips. Like, yeah. Yes. 
Oh, it made me so uncomfortable. Hook it to my veins, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I could never. And if I would, I would hope to have a friend that said, reconsider. Yeah. Or just like be one of the boring ones. Be right. a forgettable one. I would be a forgettable one. Because <sighs> my default is shy quiet, which yeah. means I would never get cast in the first place. I'm like surprisingly very good on dates. I bet you'd be great on dates. Just because I like know how to ask a lot of questions. And you've got a great personality. (laughs) (laughs) But on TV, I feel like all good personalities turn into weird ones. Yeah. I'm also terrible at second dates. So it's like I can make the good first impression. And then usually I like overthink things and I'm like, I don't want to marry this person. And I call it out. I don't want to say this because it makes me sound like a freak. But I've never been on a date, I think. As an oh, a, sure. Because I you started like dating met, yeah. Brad in, when I was a freshman in college. And, like, before then, there was no dating. So I don't know what I'm like. Um, I truly hate them. I mean, they seem awful. And almost every single person besides, like, the person I'm with now, I've hated the date with and not pursued. For the most part, like, and I feel like this is probably true for a lot of women, is that you spend the date, like, finding out everything about them and then, like, waiting for them to ask you, like, a single question. Right. Um, and then usually it's just like, you ready to split the tab? You know, like that's usually the question they ask. <laughs> I think I'm a good active listener. So maybe I would thrive in that area. Yeah. And you're a good, a good reporter. And because I'm a good reporter. It really is. <laughs> a friend of mine was a college guidance, is a college guidance counselor. And uh-huh. her advice to me on conversations, because it's like her job to like get people to like be comfortable. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, and she's like, Find out one thing the person loves and then just ask them questions about it. That's smart. And they'll be like, you're the best. That's a smart just like socializing tip. Um, It really really happens a lot when I am a little boozy. I'll be like, horseback riding. Yes. I mean, horses are so powerful. (laughs) And that does like get the person like talking about horses. Horses are so powerful, right? Like (laughs) an inch away from their (laughs) face or whatever. I'm going to take that with me in my pocket. Yeah, please do. Joanna. Thank you for this dating around date. Thank you for inviting me on this date. Um, I It's always a pleasure uh, to talk to you, to see you. You're growing out your bangs. It's striking. I know. You know who's not happy about that? My mom. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. She's like, your signature. Oh, <laughs> whatever. Looks good. I'm really happy to hear that. Thank you so much for listening to Dirtcast, and thank you to Joanna Rothkoff. Manana Mofidi is our executive director of audio. This episode was mixed by Brad Fisher. Our theme music is by Stuart Wood. Want to send us a tip or just let us know what you think? Hit us up at dirtcast at jezebel.com and follow us at Dirtcast Pod on Twitter. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts.